Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. Hope you're all having a delicious and tasty and vibrant summer. It is the off season and that's when we start to struggle making content. But thankfully, my guest here, Stephen Kagan, uh, you can find him on uh, Twitter at NBA University. He is affiliated with Fansided and the Orlando Magic Daily blog. Um, He is so generously offered some great content for us when it comes to pressure the Chua, his effectiveness in the NBA. And then if you all recall, Nick Nurse had a few comments the other day. I apologize. I don't recall what podcast it was on, but he said, he went out of his way to say on the podcast that Precious Achua is going to be taking a really big step. And we just got to wait till this year because he is on a mission. Love all that kind of stuff. So we're going to talk Precious Achua. Steven, thank you so much for joining me, man. How are we? How are we doing? How's the summer? How are things? everything's great man it's delicious out here in <laughs> dallas we're having a great time um just enjoying putting out some good content and interacting with this community i'm thankful to be able to uh, come on here and talk about one of my favorite breakout candidates and uh just hang out with you man thanks for having me on wait so you're in dallas but you're an orlando magic daily <laughs> this is true I, uh i Explain. grew up in tampa area uh, okay. my whole life went to university of florida in gainesville and then i just recently last year moved out to Dallas. So I'm a, I'm a newbie out here. I'm a Floridian at heart. Gotcha. Gotcha. Gotcha, man. The Dallas Mavericks, they lost Jalen Brunson. They haven't filled that hole yet. Have not filled that hole. <laughs> yeah. They're hoping the Spencer Dinwiddie can. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, I hope, Spencer, yeah. I hope he can too. It'd be great if he gets back to that, uh, that version he was in, in Brooklyn. I'm just, I'm not sure. It's a lot to bank on, especially when you're trying to win a championship. Anyways, mm-hmm. that's enough talk about <laughs> the Dallas Mavericks. Um, you did offer this little nugget on Twitter this morning. And I wanted to get your take on it because I think it's an interesting question. And it comes down to how you evaluate talent and what is deemed the best player. So you offered this. You asked people to rank these four players. Bam Adebayo, Pascal Siakam, Jalen Brown, and Brandon Ingram. Four very talented players in different ways. So you asked people to do their own ranking, which is fine. But I'm going to ask you to do your ranking. How would you rank these four guys? And I'm not going to leave you out to dry. I will do the same. Um, Yeah, man. I mean, I asked it because it is a super tough question, right? Like these guys are, in my opinion, within a very similar tier of the league. They're in that kind of mid twenties type player range. Sure. Uh, And they're, they're all great players in their own respect. Like you said, they kind of each come from different angles. Uh, and I'm currently working on creating a top 100 players list. And this is projecting ah. into next season. If I were to say who are the best players, maybe right now, if I had to rank them, I would probably put hmm, this is uh, I promise this is not a uh, pandering whatsoever, but I would probably put Pascal one, right uh, two, Ingram three, Brown four. I believe that's gotcha. how I see it. But it's it's I ask me in five minutes and it might be a different order. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe obviously this is a Raptors podcast, but I do, I do think Pascal is top tier. And the way that I look at this, I evaluate it like how elite are you on both ends of the court? Because with mm-hmm. the Bam Adebayo, for instance, um, he has a lot of shots created for him on the offensive end through the Miami Heat pick and roll, and they're very complicated but fun system. Um, and then a Brandon Ingram maybe not the best uh, defensive player, but he's a great offensive player. Meanwhile, you got Pascal Siakam and Jalen Brown who do a little bit on both ends. I think Pascal Siakam is the best player at this very moment. I mean, projecting five years from now, very different case, but right now Pascal Siakam is probably the best of the four just because of how great he is offensively, which you could argue maybe Jalen Brown is a little bit more diverse with his offense, but Pascal 
is just so elite at the moment and his ability to guard so many positions. He can play mm-hmm. center. He can play small forward. He can play power forward. He can guard on the perimeter and Jalen Brown isn't exactly a rim protector necessarily. He's a great perimeter defender and I'll give him credit for that. Maybe as an off ball defender, not as strong as Pascal. So that's where like the difference kind of happens for me. So overall Pascal Siakam, I do think Jalen Brown is number two um, just because of how good he is offensively. And I think there is a lot there. Um, uh, defensively as well, Bam Adebayo, then Brandon Ingram. That's where I do it. But really, like these are all, these are all great players, very good players, and I'm excited for what Brandon Ingram is going to be for the future because he's got all kinds of talent. He's got that long rangey game, gets a mm-hmm. shot off quickly, gets to the bucket. He's really figuring out his offense and New Orleans themselves. They're going to be so scary this year. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's where. Brandon Ingram, I think his playmaking is the thing that separates him from Brown for me, mm. uh, where it's close. I mean, I obviously Brown's a slightly better defender. I would say his defense might be mildly overrated, uh, but it's still good. Okay. It's better than Brandon Ingram's at the moment. But yeah. Ingram's Ingram's playmaking to me is special and his ability to get to the rim. And uh, he showed it in the playoffs um, in high leverage situations, which was kind of that last piece of the puzzle. I know it was only mm. one series, um, but he was he was excellent in that series. And he just... Sure. In my mind, he just shows that he projects as the kind of guy who's going to be a really good high leverage playoff player. And that's something that I'm mm. looking for, which granted, <laughs> Jalen Brown is pretty good too. So I, I can't yeah. complain. And there are a couple of cases in that uh, Golden State's Golden State series where like Brandon Mink or uh, Jalen Brown was the offensive hub for yeah. the uh, Celtics, um, which was really to me was just like, okay, so this guy actually like really has something. Uh, the handling, dribble probably could use some work but the pull-up shot his ability to hit shots if he's able Mm -hmm. to like kind of stabilize his three-point shooting he gets really hot then he gets really cold stabilize that he becomes a little bit more consistent then bam out of bio like he's one of the more polarizing players you know because he Mm -hmm. is so talented and he is like you know one of the best rim protectors in the nba although you might have some opinions about that as well um, which we'll probably get to in a second with precious achua um but it's just like the offense and how it hasn't really evolved in the way that people probably hoped it would in the way it probably should have over these past few years i'm not sure if it's mental because obviously the players work on their games he's taken the shots that people think he should be taking he should be able to make but confidence wise it's not really there yet and the way he kind of just disappeared at times in that Celtics series I mean that right. was kind of their undoing yes Kyle Lowry injured obviously not healthy um, not being mm-hmm. himself was a was a was a problem but if Bam Adebayo was more consistent if he was a, a person that they could rely on for like 15 points or so um, able to score in isolation get better on the role and just like be an offensive rebounder, like things like that. Like they probably win that series and uh, they didn't. So, but he's very good. Any other thoughts on that, uh, that foursome and where they rank and so forth? Um, I think my last piece would just be on Bam. uh, Is a lot of what he does offensively is something that's a little under the radar uh, Mm. and and a little more undercover than some of these guys, but his, his like dribble handoff game um, and his playing playmaking out of the, uh, from the nail and, and from the free throw line extended is really, really good. And that yeah. it, he does a lot for that offense, um, mm. providing uh, role gravity as well. So it's, it's stuff that's a little harder to, to see. Um, and, and, but it quantifies very nicely whenever you're grading out his offensive numbers. So that's something you got to consider. True. True. I'm looking at this as like, can you get a bucket? Yeah. No, what I is your you. bucket getting ability as an, as an offensive player, but that is another way to look at it. I mean, if you are orchestrating offense for your, your teammates and your team and, you know, you're a positive player on the court, then that has to mean something as well. Okay, yeah. that's enough on that. Great, great topic, though. Let's move on to Press the Chua. Okay, so this young man, he's turning 23 this year, 6'8", 225 pounds. He's got a unique body composition. He really had a breakout second half, and he kind of called it, too. He said, yo... Watch me go here. And early on in the season, we were looking at the shots he was taking, um, the confusion he caused with his teammates <laughs> on both ends of, of the court. They were just like, what is this guy doing? But it was all part of the plan. And he grew into himself. And he had one of the more like impressive turnarounds that I've seen just with his jump shot and how it came along. Usually that's something that comes along during the offseason, but he did it mm-hmm. in season, which is very, like very, very unique. Post All-Star break, 25 minutes per game. 12 points per game, 39% from three, 55% true shooting, 6'9", 7'3", wingspan, runs like the wind, great jumper, (laughs) 
I want to get your thoughts on him and just what makes him an, a unique NBA talent. Let's start there. Yeah. Well, you, what you touched on is, is a huge part of what his ceiling looks like, but what differentiates him right now um, is his defensive ability. I mean, his mm. defense is, it is unique. Uh, and what you were saying, his body composition allows him to do things that so many other guys can't do. Uh, his numbers grayed out really interestingly. So his, his rim deterrence was actually only in the 37th percentile last year. So that mm. is like pretty low, um, not even just for a big man, but just in general, that, that's pretty low. So guys were challenging him at the rim, uh, but he ranked in the 97th percentile uh, in rim defense field goal percentage first expected. So that's a, wow. a number essentially using tracking data. Uh, you're able to see what kind of shots guys are taking and who the player is. Um, and it spits out uh, what their expected field goal percentage should be. Uh, and going against Precious, his uh, players' field goal percentages were 8% lower approximately than they were expected, which over a period of an entire season is, is a really significant sure. number. Um, and he ranked in the top 10 in the league. I think he was like seventh. Uh, so that's really, a really interesting thing. And what allows him to do that is are his physical traits. Um, man, he has such incredible functional athleticism. So uh -huh. his coordination at his size and strength and his like pliability and flexibility, the way he moves um, is really spectacular. There's only a few guys his size that can really move that way and still maintain being really strong, which I think mm -hmm. is, is that's where even I love Jaden McDaniels, for example, um, in Minnesota. And he has a lot of that like length and pliability and flexibility, but he's super skinny. Um, yeah. And that's something where precious, he has all of that while maintaining uh really elite like strength and the ability to go one-on-one -on -one with, with some of the larger guys in the league and stronger mm -hmm. guys. And that's something where that is what makes him rare. That's what sets him apart to the point where uh, even amidst his mistakes and uh, the late rotations and some of the, some of the, you know, peeling off of his guy to try to make a play maybe a little too early. He does those things, but the heights of his defense are just, yeah crazy high like and, and you really even you saw that leap uh, I believe it was in January they played um, Milwaukee and you got to watch him like pick up Giannis and just hold his own in a way that was in really like spectacular fashion mm -hmm. and you got to see him do that and from there you saw that confidence building both offensively but also defensively you saw him yeah. sticking really good players and that translated into the playoffs to a degree that really blew me away it made me mm -hmm. have to go back and look at him and that's when I sort of fell in love with him and saw all that improvement so now oh, you fell in love with them we're all falling <laughs> in love with the man like at the end of the season he had this end of season press conference it was hilarious and he kind of came into his own a little bit he really does seem like this it's like little teddy bear off the court but when he gets on the court <laughs> it's like that focus and the intensity he brings it's like scotty barnes mm -hmm. too he's ferocious and he's um he's got that dog in him if you will and that's <laughs> what i love about precious is that he's got this confidence about himself where you know he can miss 10 shots but he believes the next one's going in and yeah. it's something that damian lillard's talked about too is that his confidence comes from the trust in his work and he sees how hard he works he knows how much time he's put into uh, developing himself and precious is no different that way um, there are a few cases during the season where I saw him in practice and a couple of those transition threes that we saw him hit specifically in the against the 76ers like he was practicing those shots he was hitting them and when he missed he got mad at himself like visibly mad at himself so mm -hmm. he's a really intense guy and he's in that mold which is a lot of raptors are in this is kind of like the identity is like they're too fast for bigger players and they're too strong for smaller ones mm -hmm. so og pascal and scotty barnes they're all like that they're all very athletic but precious's athleticism it's like he's a wide receiver and that's what makes him different is that like right. his torso and his legs, they have the right composition with themselves where he's able to run the floor like he's a guard and he has the balance, which I think is another unheralded part of himself is he's able to take that bump from like a Joel Embiid or a Nikola Jokic or when he's got to move his feet with a, a smaller guard, he can do it. He can stay on balance, which is really mm -hmm. tough. And again, just like seeing the work translate from – uh, practices to in games during the season, you just don't see it a lot, man. Like it's really, really tough to do. You got to be given like the the reps to do it, the 
the the leash from your coaching staff. And then you got to go out there and like actually capitalize and like the night and day difference in his jump shots and even his shot selection, it improves so much. And I think the Raptors, they're very good at this. Nick Nurse is very good at this is that they simplify the game for players. Like these are the four things you want you to do Just stay there and do that. And I think he's able and capable of doing more, but he really honed in on that. And then he kind of figured out what he needs to do to be a great NBA player. And that's what I love about the pressure that Chua, man. He's a very, very unique player. Anything you want to add to that? Or can we move on to the intricacies of his defense? <laughs> Let's move forward. All right. How many players in the NBA do you estimate can impact the game the way Precious Achua can? Hmm. That's, that's a great question. It's difficult to, to even really put a number on it because he is so unique yeah. uh, that that blend of, of the great rim protection along with the ability to switch and hover. Um, even last year, he contested four three-pointers a game, which put him in the top quarter of the league, mm. even though he was guarding centers over 50% of the time. So it's like when he was on the perimeter, there was a lot of disruption there. Uh, it's, it's akin to, I mean, I mean, Giannis is a little strong. I think his, his body composition is even more alien. Like uh, if you, maybe if precious grew five inches, but there is a certain level of like kind of a baby Giannis defensively where he can do all of these things that we were talking about. And there's not too many guys that can do that. And that's why I think his defensive ceiling is starting to flirt with that. Sure. All NBA team and, and will probably make one or two in his career. I would not be surprised at all. That block of Kevin Durant in 2021. Remember that when he's on oh, Nigeria, yeah. that's where we really <laughs> saw the explosion from him and how quickly he can cover ground in a small amount of time. And that's so yeah. useful when he is a rim protector, a shot deterrent, because he can stay close to his man and have like the foot speed and the explosion to yeah. vault up off of one foot or two feet, which most mm-hmm. guys are like, one or two feet, that's what they're most comfortable uh, jumping off of. He can do both, which again is another way what makes him very unique. And if it needs to be like a, a one-handed block, he can do that. It has to be a two-handed shot block. He can do that too. And it's just the recovery. That's what gets me. And then it's like yeah. the, the foot speed on the perimeter and how he's able to like provide that cushion for drivers. And then he just closes it off in mm-hmm. a heartbeat. It's gone. Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely. That's where, because even on the perimeter, where you start to lose guys sometimes is they have no like real screen navigation ability. And like, Mm -hmm. they can't just shuffle through them through the muck. Like a lot of guys uh, that are smaller than them can and precious isn't phenomenal at that. But what, what you're saying is his recovery is so excellent that it doesn't really matter. (laughs) You know, like he can, he can just sort of maneuver his way through, uh, let screens sort of hit him and he can just slide with it and then recover fast enough. He's so fast, which he could cover the short area burst, as you mentioned, is, is so elite and he's so long that he's able to do that. And that's, that's one area of his decent defense where the size does kind of hinder him is in like a low drop. Uh, if he's going to try and be your just anchor center yeah. uh, size matters there. Uh, that's where it's like, if you have a guy who's seven foot tall, his positioning that just changes angles for everything. You can funnel guys to them. And that's something I don't see precious doing, but that's also Mm -hmm. something the Raptors aren't necessarily doing either. I mean, that's not exactly what their scheme is and a switchable scheme uh, of five guys who can do everything is much more translatable to the playoffs that we've seen over and over again. So he's, he's a perfect modern defender. Certainly as a rim protector, it's like that surprise element that you want from him as a as a shot to turn. Because as you said, you know, Christian Coloco, they're hoping he becomes like that, you know, drop coverage guy right. who is just like an absolute monster in the paint and he just walls it off and there's nothing open. But for him, for Precious, you can kind of play with it a little bit. Sometimes it is like a soft drop or maybe you want him at the level or maybe you just like straight up switch and the defense doesn't know what is going to be coming at them. And because he's able to be so versatile at the same time, like normally you maybe switch a player out on the perimeter and you're like, okay, maybe he'll do okay out here. Maybe he'll be all right. You know, we got support on the back end. It's okay. But with Precious, you're like, he's going to be just fine out there. You can get hella aggressive with your entire defense and yeah. you can kind of wall off the paint collectively rather than just relying on like a 7-1 Christian Coloco, hopefully at some point in the very near future because the Raptors need some kind of player like that. <laughs> you can rely on him to to do that along with the collection of uh, other rangy 6-9 wingspanny forwards that they have behind him. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's like the Raptors 
best defender next season um, only because they have so many players who are looking to kind of take that next level offensively. And that mm. alone, you know, creates, um, creates energy and it takes uh, attention on the, on that on the court to make sure you're able to provide that kind of like offensive uh, playmaking and scoring. And so precious, I think we'll get to this in a second, but I don't think he's going to necessarily be that guy, but you know, OJ and Nova could probably use a little bit of a break. Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam, <laughs> Jesus, 37.9 <laughs> minutes per game yeah. uh, lead led the league in isolation attempts. Like he could definitely use a little bit of a break. And then you got Fred Van Vliet who's he got injured because he was being used too much. So precious could be that guy that, you know, he comes in spot minutes. Maybe he is closing games. Maybe he's not, but maybe you just need him for like one possession. Just like go out there and deny him the ball and just stick on him. He can be that person for the Raptors. And I think they'll they'll probably explore that quite a bit with him. Yeah, absolutely. I think what you're saying is instructive as far as his ability to take pressure off of all of these guys who are playing 38 minutes a night. Yeah. Um, and you don't have to stack ball side whenever he's out there. Like you can, you can not relax, but you, you don't have to fully commit in every way because you know, he's, he's there and he's uh, he's disrupting things on his own. He's a defensive playmaker. Uh, and that's something that'll be really valuable in the long run. That'll buy them some energy towards the second half of the year and in the playoffs that they frankly didn't have access to in the last few years. Cause they've just had to do everything. So it's yeah. exciting. Yeah. And they're going to be a lot deeper this year too. I would imagine. Um, I mean, the regular season, they are typically a pretty good regular season team, but they can withstand a few injuries and they couldn't do that in previous years, last season mm -hmm. specifically. Um, that's when they <laughs> played the starters like 37 minutes per game. It was like crazy, crazy stuff. And everyone's questioning Nick Nurse, why are you doing this? But he wouldn't come out and say it, but it's really because I don't trust anyone else. <laughs> I only trust these guys. And Precious entered his name to that conversation. Ditto Chris, uh, Chris Boucher, who had a, a monster like second half or so. You got that young Otto Porter Jr. right there. Boom. You got nine players. And that's not even like counting um, a Ken Birch who is hopefully, you know, healthy next season. Malachi Flynn, maybe he has a rebound. Maybe he carves out some minutes. Donald Banton, who knows? But like the Raptors have like a solid nine person uh, rotation. And that's a hell of a start. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that is the defensive end of things. Offensively, what would you say? are the next steps for him other than hitting more transition threes, which are, which are so much fun. <laughs> yeah. The transition threes are, are a beautiful sight to see. That was, I'm, I'm sitting there watching that Philly series. Yeah. Um, just like getting grab and goes hitting transition threes, like blowing by Embiid on the Ooh. baseline and dunking and like shutting the faucet off defensively. And I was just absolutely, I was blown away. I was like, what have yeah. I, you know, what have I been missing? And <laughs> so I go back and I watch, some early season stuff. And I'm just like, this guy's a different dude. Mm. And he was at the beginning of the year. And then I start looking into it. I see a lot of the, the chatter about in season improvement and all the, the, you know, the crazy uh, leaps that he's been taking in the middle of the year. And I was, I was really shocked by that. So I started digging into the numbers, right? He took one three point attempt last season um, mm. or in 2020, 2021. And then he took 156 three-point attempts <laughs> with Toronto last year at a 36% clip, which is really yeah. solid. And then I sort of was like, all right, like, let's see where, where that like kind of line of demarcation was for him as far as taking three. So it, from the beginning of the season to the end of January, Precious attempted 1.2 three-pointers a game. And then okay. from the beginning of February to the end of the season, he made 1.3 three-pointers a game <laughs> on 3.2 attempts. So that is just, that's an unbelievable shift. Yeah. Um, and that's something where obviously like his shooting is going to continue to be a huge part of what his offensive ceiling is. Two other big aspects of it, which these are pretty straightforward, um, but his playmaking uh, and his uh, finishing are things that are just going to have to improve. So that's one where his playmaking was, not perfect last year. He's got a little, a little bit of a blinder situation. Sure, sure, there, sure. I appreciate, right? I, I like, I would rather have him be more confident now and sort of grow into uh, making less and less mistakes as opposed to just disappearing and being a non-factor offensively, right? Mm. 
So I, I like that he has that mentality, but he does need to rein it in a little bit. Uh, he ranked in the 18th percentile mm. in uh, passing efficiency last year, which is okay. essentially <laughs> like the amount of dribbles and time of possession you have uh, in ratio to what creation you made and, and what uh, effective assists that you high value assists that you yeah. produce. So he was, he was, you know, pretty low. <laughs> Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss <laughs> which i think raptor stands would probably affirm uh, matches the eye test um, and then his finishing something i was encouraged by is that he was able to produce three um self-created rim attempts per 75 possessions which is really mm-hmm. nice that's that's in the 80th percentile of the league and those are extremely valuable Sure. Uh, shots if you can produce those that opens everything for everybody else that's something pascal is particularly excellent at that's what sets him apart from some other people so if he can if, but the, on the flip side of that the issue was he was not great at finishing off this um he no he wasn't when he wasn't dunking uh his his touch around the rim uh was relatively poor last year and that's something that i know is frustrating with gary trent and i know it's frustrating with Fred Van Vliet. So that lack of finishing at the rim can, uh, can kind of become a, like multi- multiplicative at some point when there's mm-hmm. too many guys who can't finish on the court at the same time. So that's something that uh, to really aid his ceiling and aid Toronto's ceiling, he, he just has to improve. But the, there is hope that he can at least generate those attempts. So I'm, I'm excited for that. I think those two things in tandem, uh, along with those, those transition threes and just the increasing his <laughs> Uh, yeah. volume there uh, can turn him into a really effective offensive player. Yeah. He, uh, after the all-star break, he shot 46% on non corner threes. And I believe it was around 39% on corner threes. And then finishing around the rim, you talked about it. He was at 61% post all-star break for reference. Pascal was at 65%. Scotty Barnes was at 71. So there was some progression there. Like you said, um, for him, it's like, how do the Raptors want to use him and how, and how are they looking at next season? Do they want to use next season again as like another pressure the two experiment, go out there and be somebody go out there and try things, or do you rein it in a little bit more and just get him to focus on a few different things? Like we saw his ability to attack closeouts in that 76 er series blowing by Joel Embiid. But then when you get to that point, like if there's a second defender, are you able to still finish through that kind of contact, um, maneuver in the air. He has like terrific balance. He's able to contort his body in different ways around the rim, but is he able to finish in those situations? And then also scoring through mismatches and switches. Um, that's like a huge part probably for Precious to be able to kind of find his own offense, right? Along with transition. Mm-hmm. I still think he should look for ways to, you know, guard or take on matchups face up in transition, you know, hitting those little pull-ups around the free throw line extended. And that's where he can kind of show off his guard skills, if you will, right? Show off your handle, get to the bucket, do all that. But he's just got to be able to find ways to rein it in a little bit um, in certain situations. And so for, for the Raptors, if he's like your person who's like hitting threes, if he's able to, you know, attack closeouts, if he's able to run in transition because he's a monster in that way. Um, and then when he get, gets around the rim in transition, at least it goes much better when it's around traffic, things don't go as well and then over time maybe he's able to develop his face-up game it's not going to happen immediately and that's one of the harder transitions for like any player right is when you're able to score on the person in front of you like in isolation situations that means you're becoming a a terrific player ask pascal siakam he has learned 
over the past few years had to become that dude. And now he's the guy who's like the hub of the Raptors offense, who teams are like guarding with five people. Some of the lineups I saw against Pascal were like crazy. Like you talk box and one, like it was like five on one. And I'm like, how is Pascal going to be scoring <laughs> in this situation? Like it was crazy what he was encountering. Um, so the Raptors could probably use a little bit more variety in their offense, which I think we'll get to in a second here. But for Precious, just like attacking closeouts, finishing around the rim, attacking in transition, continuing to do that, bring the ball up the court, and then the decision-making, right? It's um, it's uh, probably something that he has to work on over time. It's not something that's going to come, you know, you get that through game reps, right? You can't really work on it in practice. You can watch film, which is good, but it's about that quick quick decisions in the moment that uh, that separates him and is going to make him a, a less turnover-prone player when he does have the ball in his hands. Yeah, absolutely. Live game reps are just going to be what yeah. he needs, which is an exciting thing. When the things you're lacking are live game rep correlated instead of trait correlated, those mm-hmm. are things you could be, you could get better in. And that's an exciting, that's an exciting thing. How can the Raptors leverage his skill better? Skills better. I think we touched on it some as far as continuing to uh, put him in situations where things come easy for him. So allowing him to just take that grab and go and just run with it um, and opening that door for him. I would love to see Toronto in general run a little bit more ball screen action. Um, It's something that I think is lacking. uh, And I, I understand the idea of since you have size at every position, you're able to uh, locate mismatches and just kind of take guys one-on-one and do that thing. But ball screen action, they have the ability with all these equal size guys to also do some inverted like pick and rolls where precious funky. is handling yeah, um, funky stuff. can come set a screen for him or uh-huh. uh, vice versa. And I think that's something that will really allow him to unlock that uh, decision-making process. It'll sure. put him in situations where he has to do that. That's something that I would experiment with in the regular season. Um, and maybe something I, I taper back once we start getting towards the playoffs, but those reps are going to be, that's how he's going to grow in these areas. Um, I would love to see that as far as defensively we also touched on this i think he should be asked a lot of defensively and that's something that will then allow everybody else to have a little less burden on their shoulders because they are already playing so many minutes so that's something where that's leveraging his skill as someone who can match up with the best player on an opposing team but also roam and peel off and and protect the rim like put that on his plate man like play him play him minutes play him big minutes next to your stars and that's where um, I think we'll touch on this later, but that's where I think he might actually find some of his value coming off of the bench uh, Ooh, as yes. pretty much the, the backup for yeah. the three, four, and five. And he's getting 30 minutes a night just spelling those guys and coming in mm. with big energy. 100,000 million bajillion percent on the pick and rolls. <laughs> the Raptors <laughs> ran the second most isolation plays per game last season, but finished 26th in isolation points per possession. So there you go. And then they're also bottom five in pick and rolls per game. So I, I wonder, cause like the Raptors, I mean, when Kyle Lowry was point guard, they ran a lot more pick and roll because he just is an offensive guru and he's, he's that guy. Right. Um, last season, I wonder, and I'm just like spitballing here because they knew going into it that their three point shooting was not going to be great. If you don't have great three point shooting and it did like fluctuate a little bit, but also Fred Van Vliet was probably like one of your more steady hands as a pick and roll ball handler. He has his own limitations, which we'll get to in a second. But when you have that situation, it's a little bit trickier to get those like those kickout passes to three point shooters. And they're going to make the shot because uh, teams are just going to load up on the pick and roll. And they're going to say, I want to see Chris Boucher or Presh Sachua or Pascal Siakam, just like the 76ers did in game six. Um, that second half when the Raptors scored like 17 points or something like that over the course of like a bajillion minutes. Um, that's what they did. They said, I want to see you guys. I want to see this guy and this guy and this guy hit shots. And if they're not, then we'll live with it. And if they do, then that's fine because we're going to bank on them not being able to hit enough while we're going to be able to continue to, you know, run our sets and score on the offensive end. So that was the thought to me. But other than that, man, like, and they also ran a lot of pick and roll in the playoffs. So I wonder if like that was the maturation of their offense. Mm-hmm. Granted, they didn't have a great three-point shooting percentage in the second half of the season, but maybe they were thinking that, okay, we, this probably couldn't be our go-to during the during a half court during the regular season because we just don't have the shooters around us. But over time, maybe it just improved in that way. But with Precious Achua, I mean, you can just see it. With someone who's so explosive, if he's able to, you know, 
ghost screens and slips and uh, dribble handoffs and being like that Draymond Green kind of guy, you know, the yeah. dribble handoffs and grab and goes because he's so explosive around the rim. He just needs a little bit of room around the three-point line. All of a sudden, he may just have like this huge window to just score around the basket. Like that would be terrific. And also a lob threat. And Fred Van Vliet, I mentioned him a second ago. He does have some God-given limitations when it comes to <laughs> throwing lobs. But you think of some of the teams that have lob threats and how successful they are, right? Like it's such an easy way to get half-court offense. And the Raptors, I think they finished around 15th or so or, or 12th in offensive rating last season. If you have, oh, I don't know, Pascal Siakam or Scotty Barnes, they're your ball handler. And now you have Presh Chua. He's the screener. He's a roller different passing angles will be available. And again, inverted stuff. Fred is a terrific screener. He relishes it, use his shooting gravity to create offense for his teammates, that kind of stuff. I think that's kind of where the Raptors could really help him. But overall, and I did a video on this with OG Ananobi and how the Raptors could utilize him better. It came down to him not having to be that corner three-point shooter because they just needed the spacing. If he's able to, if you have other players who are able to, you know, effectively fill that role at a decent clip, you know, OG was around, I think, 46% on corner threes. Other players who are around league average or something like that, now OG can explore his offensive game a little bit. And it's going to help the Raptors overall, just like their whole offense, if they have better consistent three-point shooting from everyone other than, you know, Gary and Fred and I guess OG. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's a tricky, uh, tricky balance to find trying to figure out where the ball handling responsibility is going to come from, especially when mm. Pascal's offense is so solid in ISO, you almost just want to kind of get it to him. And, but there is a certain over-reliance there. And that's the hope is that Scotty, I think can, can turn into a little bit more of a primary ball handler. And like, we're able to throw yeah. all these really interesting screening actions at him. Mm-hmm. And he's shown some of that brilliance and some of that uh, vision and, and the ability to map the court um, and know where guys are and hit some really nice passes that uh, I think this year you, you're going to want Scotty on ball more running yeah. a little bit more pick and roll uh, allowing Fred to take advantage of how excellent he is off the ball. Um, he's a spectacular shooter, um, yeah. especially before he got hurt last year. Uh-huh. Um, like he's, he's great. He's one of the best shooters in the league. Um, so getting him a little bit more of a open shots uh, off of Scotty pick and rolls, I think would be really, really good for the rest of the team. Everything would fit into place better. Like you mentioned. What does a prime precious Achua look like? So like I said, he's 23 years old. Projecting five years from now, this is always just a fun game. Does it mean anything? No, but it does give people like an idea of, you know, when he puts some of these skills together, when he's able to develop his face up game, when he's able to finish around the rim better, when he's able to, you know, create offense from the mid range area, a little bit easier, a little bit cleaner. What could he be? What uh, comparison or whatever, however you want to approach it. Sure. Yeah. I think the, the, where we start with is that he could be on all defensive teams. Uh, he could yeah. be that guy who's, locking down a star individual defender, you know, minutes, but then also doing everything on mm. team defense as well and helping out. That's one where uh, that's the hope you, you got to hope. He's just uh, gets past matures, past some of these mistakes, continues to get stronger and leverage this crazy athleticism that he has. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, just someone who is a better shooter and a better driver and has a, has a kickout game. I think that's something that I, would love to see where he is generating a decent volume of rim attempts. If he starts making them, people are going to crash. If people are sure. crashing, he's hitting shooters. And then all of a sudden, you know, Toronto's running out three, four guys who could do that. That is extremely dangerous. And I think that's where his ceiling lies. I think if he's, if he's getting there, he can definitely be in that fringe all-star kind of mm-hmm. conversation. And that's the hope for him. I appreciate you saying Toronto, not Toronto. It's a vet move. <laughs> Did my research, you know. <laughs> yeah, there you did. <laughs> this might be a little bit outlandish, but I'm I, I, I like to I mean why not, right? It's the off season. What are your thoughts on a comparison like this? Again, like I'm not saying Precious is going to be able to sustain this over the amount of time that this player did. I'm saying like for one season, this could be what Precious Achua could uh could uh, produce on the offensive end. Um, and I guess a bit of a the defensive end too. Charles Barkley. Okay, so 6'6", 252 pounds. Now, Charles is always going to be a better post-up player. He's going to have uh, probably a little bit better of uh, offensive game when it comes to, you know, isolation. But the ability to just be like a transition king to offensive rebound, 
to be, uh, I mean, Precious has the three-point shooting, but if he's able to, you know, increase his ability to uh, score in isolation, be a role threat, be a bit of a popper, um, I see some similarities there. Again, like Charles Barkley, I think he's unappreciated. He's probably one of the, the best players, if not the best player to never win a championship. He sustained like 20 and 14 on like 60% shooting for a very, very long time. So I'm not saying <laughs> Preston Chua could be that for a long time. I'm just saying for like for one season, whatever his peak season is, he could be a 20 points per game player. Um, with the transition skills, with the offensive rebound, rebounding, and with a bit more skill development in um, isolation. But that's like, that's way out there. But just your thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Charles definitely on a different uh, plane of reality as far as finishing um, and interior scoring. He had that low center of gravity that Precious doesn't quite have where he could just absolutely bully guys. Um, yeah. But I get what you're saying. I like the framework as far as the the type of player, where he gets his offense. Um, mm. I could definitely see that. And yeah, the hope would be that he can start kind of flirting with a 20 points per game kind of thing way down the line. I'm not sure if he gets there, but I don't, I don't think it's out of the question. Yeah. The touch around the rim, his floaters and whatnot. I find that he's uh as great as his timing is on the defensive end, his timing on offense isn't really mm -hmm. great when he makes that contact with the defender. He, he creates that space. He doesn't really know like when to go up. And then when he does create that space, um, he's not in a position to actually, you know, do a push shot or do a jump hook or something like that. Um, so it's little things like that. And that is something that you hone over a very, very long time. Scotty Barnes, what makes him so unique is that he's already kind of figuring that stuff out. That's why I'm so excited for what year two Scotty Barnes does look like. But uh, Precious, that is like a maybe when he's 28, 29, he's at his peak. Maybe he's that kind of guy. He certainly has a work ethic. And after that, who knows? But transition, offensive rebounding, I think that's going to be two pillars of his offensive game. And also, of course, being like at stretch big, who's able to guard so many people and um, hit threes and create open space for his teammates. Okay. You mentioned earlier, should Precious Achua start or should it be Gary Trent Jr.? I think the other four guys are going to be in there. Um, right. Last season, granted the Raptors, you know, the issue with the Raptors, like I said earlier, is that their uh, three-point shooting was abysmal um, in the grand scheme. Their offensive rating dipped to 99 when he started. When, he, when Gary Trent Jr. started, it was around like 110 or something like that. So that's a huge difference. But Internal development, if that changes a little bit, you could say that maybe the Raptors have enough offense from the other four players where they could start a pressure the Chua because obviously defensively they're going to be much better. That's just facts. So what are your where are you with this one? Should it be Gary or should it be uh Precious? Yeah. So for next season, I'm still starting Gary. Um yeah. if I um and Nick Nurse. I I think the value he brings, like you mentioned, shooting, he provides an element um of uh, tough situation scoring that is mm. just super important for them when the isolations aren't working uh, he provides an outlet for late shot clock stuff um for crunch time stuff that uh, is really helpful for the team um sure. and something his shooting was pretty great last year um it's the efficiency had areas of being really good and areas of struggling a little bit but his self-created shooting is really nice and that's an element that outside of Fred, I suppose that they don't really have anyone else that could, uh -huh. can particularly do, especially not precious outside of uh, that transition context. He has a little bit in the mid range, but not something you want him doing all the time. Yeah. So I think, I think Gary makes sense. And I think that makes sense for precious too. Um, trying to shoehorn in the everybody six foot nine thing. Uh, I like the idea in theory. I don't think mm -hmm. it necessarily has to be in practice right away if the skill sets aren't quite matured to that level yet. Yeah. Uh, and I think like what I was saying earlier, I, Precious makes sense as he can come in, he can spell OG, he could spell Pascal, he could spell Scotty, he can come in and play any of those roles. So yeah. he can be on the court a huge amount of time and they just stagger everybody. So when, when OG comes out, Precious first person in off the bench, mm. OG comes back in, Barnes comes out, Precious slides up yeah. and I think you can do that all the way to the five position. And that's what a lot of his value is. He provides roster construction flexibility that most sure. people can't. So that's one where I think a lot of his value will be derived from coming off the bench. But what are your thoughts? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I did a 
podcast with Sean Woodley, and he was selling me on the idea that maybe it should be Precious starting at center. Um, this really does come down to what kind of offense are we going to see from OG and Pascal and Scotty next season? Because like you said, Gary has such a unique ability, uh, tough shot making, um, late shot clock. Like he, there were so many cases where he relieved the Raptors. And it's funny because he actually has an ability, like the tough shot making is something that players try and develop with, but he already has that now. And it's like finishing around the rim where he has to work on. And from what I'm seeing with some of his uh, workout videos, again, just workout videos, all speculative all good times looking at uh, the best clips of a person doing their thing, but it looks like he is trying to hone in on that athleticism around the rim. Cause that is just something that he doesn't really have right now. Right. And you have a bit, bit more of that um, longer strides, more athletic strides. That's where you're able to finish around the rim a little bit better. So we'll see what Gary Trent looks like uh, next season, but clearly a very valuable offensive player and also a perimeter defensively point of attack. He can do that. So, and if you want to bank on, you know, Scotty Barnes and Precious Achua or uh, and Pascal Siakam, you know, if they're able to be a bit better as uh, rim protectors, I think that would obviously help some of their defensive deficiencies when they have that starting lineup that were that they usually have, although it was only for like 20 games or something like that because there were so many injuries. But I want to see that sample size again. Um, but Precious, just with his skill set. I could definitely be talked into him being off the bench and just being like coming in like a ball of fire along with Chris Boucher. Uh, we saw that a lot from Nick Nurse. He brought in both those guys at the same time and just the energy they brought on the court was infectious. And uh, you want that from your bench bench unit. And there could be like a really interesting foursome um, at some point, you know, maybe you have Gary and OG and Precious and Chris Boucher. Maybe you have something like that and you have like some kind of solidified bench unit that you want to roll with. Um, that could really uh, be effective in like five, six minute stretches and also allows an OG Ananobi and a Gary Trent Jr. to kind of cook a little bit, right? They need more time to get their shots off. They could be your offensive uh, leaders at that time, two men kind of thing going with that. And we'll have to see where it goes. Who knows? But I think Precious, you just have a bit more flexibility if he is coming off the bench, but you do need Scotty or Pascal to improve as uh, rim protectors. Although Scotty, I guess more Scotty than, uh, than Pascal. Yeah, absolutely. I think that come playoff time, it'll be really nice to have that energy coming off the bench as well. Sure. Um, when rotations tighten up, like we need to see Precious be able to play more minutes too. That's something mm. we haven't seen. He's been floating around, I think like 25. Yeah. Uh, being able to pump that up throughout the year, see if some of the uh, things stick at volume with a little more sure. volume and then kind of going from there. And then if next year, you know, there's a little more progression, I think that would make more sense as far as timeline with Scotty being able to be good enough offensively to sort of overcome uh, maybe some of the shot creation deficiencies from the rest of the starting lineup. That's uh -huh. when we can maybe see precious kind of uh, be put in. But I think for this season, it, it does make more sense to have Gary starting. Yeah. Bit more of a shorthand too. Um, yeah. Gary has his passing flaws or I guess not, wanting to pass all the time but <laughs> or lack in the thereof end, yeah. yeah but he when he has the ball I mean good things typically happened um he's able to get a strong shot off and as catch and shoot game like the way he's able to create in the in the half court and mid-range area it's a hard shot to block man if he's able to get better at finishing around the rim like you guys yourself like a really really talented at very least 20 points per game but maybe more because he's already like you could argue that he's a 20 points per game scorer already with his skill set but then after that in a different tier, if he's able to put that all together, it's going to make him a very, very expensive player. Very expensive. <laughs> um, okay, final question for you. Um, this kind of paired together, but what are your what do you think the chances are of Precious Achua getting into the real conversation for most improved player or sixth man of the year? Some numbers just before I, I turn it to you. At uh, most improved, he's at plus 6,600. <laughs> that's like roughly 15th or so. And then leading the way you have guys like uh, Tyrese Halliburton, Anthony Edwards, uh, Jalen Brunson, Zion Williamson, which is a strange one, I guess. Okay, sure. Zion, that's <laughs> a lot of time. And I love that Ben Simmons is on this list too. <laughs> <laughs> Anything is better than he did Yeah, last year. right. So he could have a huge, he could be the most improved player by, by far. But anyways, uh, your thoughts on something like that. Uh, yeah, I think there's a, a real plausibility. Uh, his route to winning most improved would probably be landing that starting spot. Uh, yeah. 
just to be able to have the the counting stats that are necessary to be able to win that kind of award um, and to garner the attention that would be required. The Raptors record would also have to probably be really good. Yeah. Um, six man, I think he's going to have a hard time winning that one as well, not to be a yeah. bummer, uh, just based on what the criteria for uh, that award has been over the last whatever, ever since it's existed for the last couple decades, uh, is that that bench scorer, um, somebody who can just come in and, and drill shots like if Gary sure. was uh, coming off the bench as the sixth man. Uh, but yeah, I don't I don't foresee I don't foresee him necessarily winning either. But I do think most improved is probably more likely if I had to put money on it. Yeah, I hear you, man. Um, I, I love the idea. It, it would be a really cool thing for the Raptors to have. I think the record wise, I mean, we can all have our opinions where they're going to be fourth, fifth. Could they enter that top three? Who knows? They're a great regular season team. Um, right. Maybe Miami Heat, they dip a little bit. Who knows? But both of those awards are very much about stats and he can have like a similar impact to some of those players who are going to be in right. that conversation, but the numbers may not translate as much, but I do think like he is on the verge of in that third season for a lot of players, you kind of figure out who they're going to be like, mm-hmm. I mean, LeBron James, obviously that's a different kind of thing. He's <laughs> it's a whole right. different kind of tier, but for someone who's kind of like a role player and then some you figure out, what their ceiling is or what they could be in that third year. And you could say that maybe Precious is entering his second year because the first season with Miami, like it wasn't, he didn't play a lot, but I'm very curious when he comes back. If he's able to put all those tools together within a season, like he did last year, imagine what he's able to do with an off season, a training camp, a full season with the Raptors, all that kind of stuff. I'm very curious what he looks like. Um, It could be a lot of fun. Actually, Scotty Barnes has a better chance uh, technically based on odds of being most improved than, uh, than pressure the shoe. He's at plus 2,800. So that'd be fun too. <laughs> yeah. Somebody, if anybody could win it, that would be great. <laughs> yeah. Precious Scotty, whoever. All fun. All fun. Um, all right, man. Um, anything you want to plug anything you got coming up? Tell the people, this is your moment. <laughs> man, just uh, NBA university on Twitter. Uh, follow me there. If you want to, Find some more stuff out about the Orlando Magic, you know, just uh, nipping at your ankles coming up in that Eastern Conference. If you want to read yeah, some stuff are. on Orlando Magic Daily, like, come on down. I have stuff on Wagner and Paolo and uh, my case for Fultz for the most improved players. So, nice. uh, yeah, check that out. But, yeah, just follow me on Twitter. I'm going to have plenty of stuff dropping, plenty of uh, plenty of breakdowns coming down the pipe. So just keep an eye out, man. Improve your basketball IQ, people. Follow him on Twitter at NBA. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. University. I'm excited for the Orlando Magic too. For so many years, I hated when the Raptors played them because they were so annoying and it was such a boring game. Uh, But these days, very (laughs) different. It's very, very different. They got um, really something cooking over there. Um, And who knows, maybe this is the year, right? They get in that playing conversation or, or then some. Who knows? It's all on the table. On day one of the season, everyone's the same. Right? After that, <laughs> yeah, we'll see exactly. what happens. <laughs> All right, man. Thank you so much for joining me, everyone. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. We'll talk to you very soon. Have a great day.